Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, the story of the miraculous draft of fishes in the Gospel of Luke, that's our gospel for this weekend, is a masterpiece in both the literary and the spiritual sense. Because in many ways, the whole of the spiritual life can be read off of this story. I've spoken often before about the powerful symbolism contained in the simple act of Jesus getting into Simon's boat. Without being invited, without any kind of preparation, Jesus simply gets into the fisherman's boat. This was to insinuate himself in the most direct way possible into Simon's life, into his profession, into his livelihood. That's what that boat represented. Again, think of someone just getting into your car without being asked, without being invited. How would you respond? I bet you'd be a little bit alarmed. And then, without further ado, Jesus begins to give orders. First telling Simon to put out from the shore, and then famously to go out into the deep. This represents what I call the invasion of grace. Grace breaks into our lives, shakes us up, confronts us. The single most important decision you will ever make, now listen to me, because we make all kinds of decisions, you know, financial and, and familial and, and in terms of our friendships, and they're all important, but the single most important decision you'll ever make is this. Will you cooperate with Jesus once he decides to get into your boat? When grace invades, do you cooperate or not? In many ways, everything else in your life is secondary, is commentary. Simon Peter makes the massively important move of cooperating. Listen, Master, we've worked hard all night and have caught nothing, but at your command, I will lower the nets. With that, Simon's transformation into a great apostle began. He had been operating in the shallows. That's the importance of that symbolism. He's hugging the shore, following his own intuitions, his own wisdom. But see, when the Lord Jesus Christ gets into your boat, he will always lead you into the depths. That's what I want you to see. Not sometimes, not most of the time, always. He'll lead you from the shallows into the depths. Duc in altum, that's the Latin, you know, to go out into the deep. John Paul II loved to quote that line. Will it be more dangerous? Uh-huh. More exciting? Yeah, yeah. Now, mind you, the depths we're talking about here are spiritual depths. The excitement, therefore, has nothing to do with 
with the excitement the world offers. I mean, finally, who cares? But rather, it's excitement that comes from real spiritual transformation. The depths, again, have nothing to do with what the world considers exciting. It's the real excitement of spiritual transformation. Read the uh, story of the soul of uh, the little flower. And here's someone leading, you know, from the world's perspective, the least dangerous and least exciting life you could imagine. With a, with a couple dozen other uh, women cloistered behind the walls of a, of a monastery in northwestern France. But yet what's clear in her great story is that she allowed Jesus to get into her boat. She cooperated with him and experienced this enormous, exciting, and dangerous spiritual transformation. That's what we're talking about here. More to it now as you follow the story. When you listen to Christ and go out into the depths, you will find life that is so overwhelming that it'll be too much for you to handle. Remember Peter said, Lord, we've been at it all night and have caught nothing. Well, see, that's right. When we're at it on our own terms, we're living our lives as as we see fit, but we're not going to catch much. But when you follow Christ into the depths, you're going to find life, and that's what this fish here symbolizes. You're going to find life that is so abundant that it will overwhelm you. That's the reason the, the nets are tearing. It's a beautiful symbol, isn't it? Here's an experienced fisherman. He should know how to handle these nets and how much they can take in, but, but the fish he's dealing with are so beyond his expectations that the nets are tearing. So it goes, friends, when you start living the spiritual life seriously, you'll find this life coming up to you from the depths. I love, too, the detail that the other boats have to come and join him to help him. So it goes in the life of grace. It's never just me and Jesus. It's never you and Jesus. But the life of grace always draws people to you. Watch that in the lives of the saints. When they're embarked on a great project, other people will come to help them. That's what's going on here. Well, just this last week, I had the great privilege of staying for a few days with Archbishop Peter Sarton of Seattle. I was out in Seattle to discuss some seminary matters with him and also to give a talk on the new evangelization. But a real joy of that trip was being able to stay at Archbishop Sarton's house, and he was a wonderful, gracious host. The first night I was there, he showed me his a private office up on the top floor of his uh, residence. And in that office was a copious book collection. Now, he and I stood there, and we're both um, bibliophiles, and so we were talking about this text and that text and things we'd read and things that we should read, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I noticed on the shelf there a number of books on the recently beatified Pier Giorgio Frassati, a particular favorite of Pope John Paul II. I told the Archbishop that I knew the name, I knew the, you know, kind of contours of his life, but I just didn't know too much about him. And he responded with enormous enthusiasm that he had a very special devotion to this young blessed. He even knew some members of Frasati's extended family. So I was kind of intrigued by all this. 
and he pointed to a framed holy card on his shelf with Versati's picture and then rehearsed some of the basic facts of his life. Well, I went back to my room after that conversation and I opened the closet door to hang up my suit jacket. And what was right there, it was looking at me from the floor of the closet, but a large and very beautiful painting of Pier Giorgio Frassati. And it's the picture you often see. Uh, he's standing on a, a mountain and he's got a, a, a pipe in his mouth and he's like an outdoorsman, mountaineer. Well, when I saw that picture, I thought, okay, Lord, I think you're trying to tell me something about this Versati fella. So I took the, um, the painting out of the closet and I put it up. There was a little nail on the wall in my room and I put it up there. And then as I, I prayed that night and the next morning, I had uh, Frasati very much uh, in front of me. Well, the archbishop the next morning that I told him all this, and he gave me a couple of, of Frasati books and said, why don't you, you know, read these? So while I was there in between meetings and so on, I, I did. I, I made my way through a number of these books. And the story of this young man is, um, is simple but, but compelling. Pier Giorgio Frasati was the son of a very influential and very powerful figure in the Italian society of his time. He was born in 1901. His father uh, had been the editor of La Stampa, one of the most prominent newspapers in Italy. His father was also a senator and eventually ambassador to Germany. So Frasati's from a pretty uh, well-to-do and uh, important family. But his father was an agnostic. His mother was a painter, an artist, and kind of mildly religious, you might say. Their hope was that their only son would take over his father's interest in journalism and politics. But, strangely, from a very young age, Pier Giorgio Frassati took a different tack. This son of an agnostic and a mildly religious person fell in love with the liturgy, and especially with Eucharistic adoration. He would spend long hours, sometimes the entire night, lost in adoration of the Eucharistic Lord. There's these wonderful stories about how his family and his parents especially would be alarmed because he'd be gone for hours and hours. And they thought he was out, you know, carousing or something. <laughs> he'd come home and he'd say, well, I was, I was over at the chapel or I was at the church. In fact, they became so alarmed, they spoke to priests that they knew. And they said, what are we going to do about this young guy? And it wasn't like he was taking drugs or getting drunk, and he was spending time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So the priest you know, said, well, I think you should leave him alone. Also, despite, or you know, strangely perhaps because of, his aristocratic upbringing, Pier Giorgio Frassati also cultivated from a very young age a deep devotion to the poor and the sick. So again, he's from a rich family, but he simply gave away the money that he had. He gave it to the poor. He also gave away his time, spending time with the sick and the indigent. His parents, again, tended to think of him as something of a ne'er-do-well, this guy that just wasn't making it in the world. See what I say about uh, the spiritual life has nothing to do with worldly success. They they saw him as kind of a kind of a loser, but but the poor of his hometown, Turin, that's where he's from. The poor of Turin loved him and noticed his extraordinary sanctity. 
He died very young. He was only 24 when he died, having contracted polio from the poor among whom he was working. After only five days of illness, he passed away. And here's a great part of the story. His parents and family were positively shocked when they saw the enormous crowds that came out for his funeral. They weren't crowds of the aristocrats. They weren't his father's uh, friends. They were crowds of the poor and the indigent and the sick, those who knew him, and they filled the streets of Turin for his funeral. See, here's the point, everybody. Pier Giorgio Frassati allowed Jesus, from a very early age, to get into his boat, and he was drawn into the depths. Most of the photos we have of Frassati show him in vigorous activity, often climbing mountains. He was famously athletic. Well, there's a photo that caught my attention in one of the books that Archbishop Sarton gave me. It shows Frassati clinging to the side of a very steep cliff, looking upward. So it's a pretty dangerous-looking picture. Like, what's supporting this guy, and where's he going to go? On the photo, he himself scrawled in Italian, verso l'alto, which means to the heights. Duc in altum, go out into the depths. Verso l'alto, it's the same thing. Go to the heights. See, don't accept spiritual mediocrity. Don't accept second or third best. Allow Jesus into the boat and then get out into the depths. Get up to the heights. That's the message of the gospel. That's the life of Pier Giorgio Frassati. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.